0: Uh, i could do rate well i could tell you that we're under uh, we're under 700,000 arr still
1: you are listening to conversations with nathan latka where i sit down and interview the top saas founders like eric Wan from zoom if you'd like to subscribe go to getlatka.com Hey, folks. My guest today is Dmitry Pavlov. He's the founder and CEO of Stitch Insights, a Silicon Valley deep learning pioneer in predictive and consumer insights. He's a guest speaker on emerging tech trends, cross-functional team building, and science in marketing. Dimitri, you ready to take us to the top?
0: been ready for a while. Let's go.
1: Nice. So hey, last time we spoke, man, it was back sort of middle of COVID. Give everyone a quick reminder. What are customers paying you for?
0: Yeah, for sure. So we're creating ideal experiences for consumer brands and helping them understand how their customers think and feel against their competitors in their entire category. And so we're charging uh, at a base $10,000 a month per channel, things like Amazon as a channel or an internal support request channel or like Twitter is another channel. And so we've been working with predictive innovation teams, sustainability teams um, across luxury groups, fashion retailers, um, leading consumer electronics companies, and essentially understanding, working with their predictive innovation teams and sustainability teams and e-commerce teams helping them really measure at a really granular level what their customers care about at the attribute level of each product versus their competitors. So they can actually start measuring what is the size of the opportunity in the entire market for their products, for their consumer segments. Basically, Mm -hmm. is there a segment that's really, really happy with a dimension of a product outperforming? Or is there a consumer segment that really hates a specific dimension of a product that your competitor has that maybe you have a really huge opportunity to, to hit on?
1: 10k per month per channel is significantly different than I think when we last spoke. You had I think nine customers paying on average sort of a grand a month. So have you really moved up market intentionally? Oh yeah, we've
0: completely shifted sort of the the kind of the the entire go to market strategy. What we've realized is basically uh, and before it was, it was really like MRR and really early POC revenue that we had. Now we have actual ARR revenue. We're actually nearing um, a little over a million ARR this coming year. Um, and so, what does that
1: mean? You, you mean like you take today, this month's revenue times twelve? Uh,
0: no, uh, we we actually have some some new engagements coming in. So we have a little less than ten um, customers at this point. Basically, we have now engagements that are annual contracts, as opposed to um, just a month by month or a POC, just non recurring revenue contracts. And so we've, we've switched gears completely, and kind of how we're we're monetizing this a little bit.
1: Well, so help me understand. so you, you, In 2020, you said you had 9 customers. So you still have 9 customers today, but they're different customers and paying you way more. Is that right?
0: We were running POCs in 2020 with, with a number of folks like Sephora's of the world, um, trying to understand basically what we are deploying and what we are solving for them. And what we realized is really where the, where the real pain point is across all of these brands is they're running surveys on all of their customers but what they're not doing is they're not serving all of their competitors customers at that same scale so when they make product changes or estimate market opportunity they're really only estimating in a, in a bubble in a vacuum they're estimating what they're doing what we realized is by actually looking at the external data we can actually measure the size of the opportunities for these brands and what we found is who specifically is using these insights so what we were initially doing is just exploring with you know, got it, got it.
1: so so a year ago those nine were not customers. They were they were pilots, and so now today you have nine fully onboarded paying customers, and it's true ARR.
0: We have lived under ten. We'll have over ten fully true ARR customers by early this coming year. Yeah, We have I a see. I of, see. Now for for annual agreements.
1: I see. I see. I see. So so what when you just look at booked revenue today, what would you say MRR is?
0: um we're we're sharing ARR essentially so we're, we're gearing up for our series A this coming year um, the, in the new year so we're basically our, our target is a little over uh, 1.3 million in ARR is is basically from from our existing contracts and their expansion revenue that's coming in from those contracts yeah, when do you want to hit
1: 1.3 a year in like an ARR yes correct and then we realize no no when so
0: when do you want to hit that when?
1: Oh, oh uh, probably
0: before Q2 of this coming year
1: Okay, year. so that so one point three in ARR calculated by you know that month's revenue times twelve forward looking. When we need about one hundred and ten thousand bucks a month in revenue to get one point three in ARR. So you think by Q one of next year, before your Series A, you'll break one hundred and ten thousand dollars a month in revenue?
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And we're, where are you today? And and so we're we're on our way to that today. We're 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 not there yet, but we have really really large contracts coming in right now. And what we've realized is. There's expansion revenue with um, with our with our software, especially where we are sharing these insights with one team, like the predictive innovation team. Yeah, Dimitri, to also... I totally,
1: I totally get all that. Like I understand the upselling. I'm just trying to get a sense of how much you have to grow between now and your Series A to hit that mark. So, so are you not sharing on purpose sort of revenue today? Or, or if not, like where are you? What's the range?
0: Yeah. So we're, we're actually right in the middle of of a fundraise right now, of a of a small like seed plus round. So we're not okay. sharing externally those numbers, but it's 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 well on the way to it.
1: Uh, got it. So I mean, can we? So let's put a big range on it. Can we say you're above fifty uh, grand a month in revenue right now?
0: Uh, I could do rate. Well, I could tell you that we're under uh, we're under seven hundred thousand ARR still.
1: And and you're calculating ARR by taking last month's revenue times twelve, right? Annual recurring. Yeah, it's it's anything that's signed
0: contracted for recurring revenue moving forward from. 2020 or
1: 2021 on. Got it. Still a little confusing, but we'll move on so we can learn other stuff. Got it. So, so signing enterprise accounts, um, you mentioned Seed Plus. Does that mean you already raised a seed? Did you raise a seed earlier? Uh,
0: so uh, there's not really a name for this round. Yeah, we raised a small chunk uh, the previous year. We raised a little over $100,000 basically just to help us commercialize some of this platform. Um, and we've used that essentially to to figure out what is this platform that we can start expanding out. And, and that was in
1: 2018. Out, you raised the pre-seed.
0: Uh, that was about a year and a half ago. I'm, I'm okay. getting lost in what year we're in now, honestly.
1: Okay, so 110 and sort of like early round, and you're closing sort of a seed plus right now. How much are you looking to raise right now?
0: About three million is is, is what we're looking at, and we already have uh, some really really great investors that we're working with right now, and in, in middle middle of the conversation with or so.
1: Why do you need to raise right now? Like what 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 why do you have to, you know, have that kind of money to grow? Yeah,
0: so I've actually this past year I've just switched gears from anything other than sales and I've had the opportunity to speak with dozens and dozens of CDOs, CTOs, CSOs, CMOs, CEOs across these Fortune 100 brands. And I've literally spoken with 30 or 40 like Fortune 100 C-level executives. And what I found is that we can actually we can launch this pretty easily because we are offering something really different than, than what's in the market. We're not looking at sentiment. We're not looking at overall what's happening for your overall brand. We're understanding each individual dimension, what matters. And I've been able to get a... Um, so, and we have a new subscription process that, that we go through. It's an annual agreement that has a 30-day trial that's attached to an annual agreement already. And so because of all these conversations and this easy piloting process, I've actually created a pipeline of way too many, way too many active engagements, basically that I'm realizing we can hit all these if we have additional revenue, if we have additional funding. Why? So, why 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 well,
1: can't you just go close them now and use get them to pay up front and use that money to drive growth? So we we will potentially do that
0: starting starting next year is, is to leverage the money up front. Um, the easiest way has been to say, you know, we give you like for $10,000, we'll give you a snapshot analysis of your of one of your products against a competitive category set. And then at that at the end of that month, it turns on into a ten thousand dollar a month subscription, and then we start expanding to additional channels. So that process to get to get paid like large amounts from these brands is is a longer process. So right now we're still we're not getting enough revenue in to catch essentially all the opportunities that are coming in. So we're we're trying right. to really accelerate this
1: on the three million now. What valuation are you targeting?
0: Yeah, so that's also we're not sharing that exactly. We raised under four million dollar valuation previously. Um, and we're up up ahead of that now, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, how much? I guess what's a range of how much percent of the company do you think you'll have to sell to raise three million? We're talking like ten to twenty, the standard stuff, ten to twenty percent.
0: Uh, probably less than that. Uh, we're we're so one of the one of the investors is with the SVB, um, and they're actually like a very 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 friendly terms so far. Um Wait, not so you're looking
1: at debt. You're looking at debt or equity.
0: Um, safe. We're looking at a safe.
1: Okay, as you said, the the one of the partners is at SVB.
0: SPV, like a special purpose vehicle that...
1: Oh, be- SPV. I thought you said Silicon Valley Bank. Got it. Uh, okay. So, so got it. So you're raising 3 million at greater than a 30 million valuation. So you can sell less than 10% of the business. That would be a great deal for you. That's what you're targeting.
0: Uh, yes, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. And I guess why, if you're planning to go raise a big round, like when you hit the 1.3 AR mark in Q1, like why spend a bunch of time right now trying to raise 3 million?
0: Uh, well, actually, we got preemptively reached out to by, by a number of investors. Uh, I I was not going out and raising right now. I thought, actually, let's just focus on these contracts, um, get them to expanded revenue between each contract, and then next year, go out and raise a larger round. But the advice has been, we can bring on additional folks. I can bring on sales support. I'm doing sales myself right now. Like I can bring on
1: an SDR. How many are on the team right now?
0: Um, It's essentially my... Well, we have have folks that are part-time and full-time. We essentially have the same team that we started with still, and it's just to not. Too, we not, don't
1: know how, how many is that. Nine, how many we, we, have, we have
0: nine people still, basically, the same, same participating folks that were part time and full time. And what we started doing is bringing on some of those folks full time, but that's still not enough capacity. So,
1: so how, my, how many right now are full time?
0: Full time? Uh, we have literally about three full time right now. And by the end of November, we'll likely have probably six or seven full time. So I guess just, what
1: happened, because like back in April, I mean, obviously COVID hit, but like in April last year, you told me you had six full-time employees, did you let three people go?
0: No, we, we just we built out the platform. What we were building is data pipelines, and we were engineering these, these flows. And now these systems work relatively hands off. So the pilots and the subscriptions that we're launching are through channels that we're already, we already have full analysis of. So we're just deploying our platform right now. So there's zero development happening basically at this point. So, the so you let three
1: engineers low. grow basically.
0: They're, they're actually, so one of, my, one of my head data scientists just started his own company also. Um, and he's just part time helping us now, basically. But my, yeah, my take is up until we need development time, like we don't need to develop anything else new up until after November, basically. And we're deploying just with, with our existing platform. So we're focusing on sales 100%. And so I need salespeople and I need like support folks.
1: Got it. Interesting. How, how do you like manage dilution? I mean, this is a lot of capital in an early stage. You know, you don't want to, you know, blink and only own 20% of the business.
0: No, for sure. I mean, I honestly, dilution is like it's important and I don't want to kind of dilute myself too much. But, you know, if, if the value that the investors, et cetera, bring in is more than what we're giving up, I'm, I'm happy with that. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have co founders?
0: Uh, I have a co founding team. I was the original founder by the time I realized. What this market can look like. And by the time we became a portfolio company of One Valley, previously a GSV, um, that's when I realized, oh, we actually have a much larger technology play. And that's when I brought on board Dr. Johannes Eichstadt, Dr. Andrew Schwartz. Um, and since, by the way, I think I've mentioned that Johannes is now at, at Stanford's Human Artificial Intelligence Lab at the tip of the spear for linguistic and AI research. And that's actually been really, really useful for us to really deal with these CTOs and CDOs because they're really actually excited about these.
1: You like, pay things. him a bunch of money? Uh, Johannes, he got yeah. paid a ton of
0: money to help develop these systems. He's now he's now basically from you.
1: You you paid him that.
0: We actually we actually were the founding. T- so we put in money ourselves. We put in about a quarter million from the founding team to develop these things. Um, and, and a bunch Johannes of that went
1: to this doctor that's teaching at Stanford.
0: Johannes was was also one of the folks that, with the founding team that put money in originally. He himself did not take a salary for the first like year and a half. And they actually had like a three and a half million non-dilutive government grant to help develop this technology. Um, so we we took that open source tech that Johannes and Andy created and created a proprietary version, commercial application. And they basically put in all of their sweat equity and additional money in there.
1: So how many how many founders are there then? Three?
0: So myself and two two co-founding teams. Did you team split
1: Matt. a third, a third, a third, or no?
0: No, no, no. They have well, they came in once we already had a product. Um, they're really what, what they're what they're adding to this is technology that really separates us from anything else.
1: You know? Got it. So you still own the majority of the business, more than fifty percent, for sure. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. Cool. Um, very cool. What else? Anything I'm missing before we wrap up? Uh,
0: yeah. So I've what I found is honestly that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting shifts going on right now, right in in the industry, and I'm really excited about that it's being recognized by, by by these brands. So all these brands have been talking about, we really care about customers. We, we really want to focus on what customers care about. But what I found is that really none of them have the resources or tools to look at all of their customer feedback. They actually don't know what all of their customers care about. And on top of that, they have no idea what all their competitors' customers care about. They're not looking at any of that. And I think that's such a huge missed opportunity for folks to not just for the brands, but for customers to have companies really listen to them and start fixing stuff. And so that's where we're kind of trying to wedge ourselves in is to really unders- help these brands understand what are the things, what are all the things that are top of mind, really the most important things to your customers to drive loyalty and adoption and to drive sustainability. And like we're working with these luxury brands that are thinking, they're building multi year, stra- multi billion dollar strategies to. Like we, we have sustainability initiative. We want to fix animal welfare and carbon emissions, but they don't know what about animal welfare, what about carbon emissions is important. Like do they do their customers want more sustainable leather um, wristwatches for the animal welfare? Do they want plastics that are more sustainable, right? They don't actually know, they're just moving on all these things. And where we're coming in is we're actually measuring across all their Maisons, across all their brands. What are those things that matter to your customers the most? What will move the needle to your customers on sustainability? And then after you launch these initiatives, what of those things have impacted you positively? Have you increased sales because of these changes? And have you increased over the category? Or has the category itself shifted and you just moved it to category? These brands are blind in this space right now. They're just, they think they're performing well or underperforming, and they're not really taking into account the whole thing. And so we now finally have tools to look at all this massive data. And I'm just really excited that now it's actually getting recognized by these brands. And I don't know if it's a shift of you know, COVID or, or just AI is becoming more understood, in, in general but it's, it's it's such a great trend I'm really excited about it we'll,
1: we'll see what you move uh, what moves you make next in the meantime let's wrap up with the famous five number one favorite business book
0: uh favorite business book oh man mm. you
1: know Gilgamesh is an interesting nope. book number two is there a CEO you're following or studying
0: uh yeah since I read Bob Iger's book right of a lifetime I think I've been following him closely he's been really interesting yeah.
1: number uh three what's your favorite online tool for building your business
0: Honestly, like Google slides have been really
1: awesome. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night?
0: At least seven and a half. Once in a while, I get like three hours, just if I'm up all night, but then I'll I'll sleep in later.
1: And what's your situation, Demetri? Married, single kids? No kids, not married. And how old are you? Uh, I'm I'm 34, I think. 34. Point. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20.
0: Oh man. I was 20 to learn how to prioritize things correctly and to prioritize experiences and things that shift your perspective more because that's really how you grow. Right. So I that new experiences like traveling, like reading new authors, like mentors, like those things really that shift your perspective is, is kind of that that the most important thing to really prioritize, I think.
1: Guys, Stitched Insights founded in 2018, finally helping uh, you know large luxury brands understand what their customers really want. Customer feedback. They have nine paying customers today. Call it you know five six thousand dollars a month in terms of ARPU. So flirting with call it forty fifty thousand dollars a month, hoping to break the one point three million dollar AR mark by Q one twenty two. So they go and do a, another raise. They're currently raising call it three million. We'll see what happens there. They raised one hundred ten thousand bucks year in the middle of the pandemic at a four million valuation. Team of three building this bad boy out. He's looking to hire sales folks. Reach out if you're interested. Dimitri, thanks for taking us to the top. Please. Awesome. Thanks, Nathan.